Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, Ravens fans, welcome back. After the holiday, it's Believe in Ravens. I'm Kyrie Thompson. That's Daniel Wilcox. First of all, I got to ask you, man, how 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 was the holiday? How, how'd you eat? Hey, great, man. Went to my wife's cousin's house up in Alpharetta, Georgia, and um, we had a little bit of everything. We even had a charcuterie board. You know, it was um, it was pretty, it's pretty interesting, man. We had a little bit of everything. It was a good mixture of all the Thanksgiving giving um, fixings from the black side of the family, from the Belizean side of the family. It was, it was pretty cool. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah, love it. a little bit of everything. It, it, it was kind of a so I had like kind of two Thanksgivings going on. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm you know, black and Puerto Rican, so you know I went yeah. and uh, you know started the day off at my grandma's house, you know, a Puerto Rican grandma. So mm-hmm. you know, naturally we had to have some Puerto Rican rice, which you know I make a pretty strong pot of Puerto Rican rice. I gotta say so myself. What's what's Puerto uh, Rican rice? What's that? So basically, like you know, it's I, I don't know if you have like much Cuban food or Dominican food or anything like that, but it's I do. Uh, it, it's like yellow rice or orange rice. You know, people mm. kind of call it whatever you want to call it yeah. but it's like got a tomato sauce base so it's like you put in you. tomato sauce and then there's like these uh these packets that you call sassons basically just some seasoning that you put in there that kind of mm-hmm. helps give it the orange color um and a little bit of extra taste um it's, it's got some some herbs and spices in it but the secret ingredient the thing that really makes it is actually there are a couple of things but the, but the big thing that you just absolutely have to have is this we call it sofrito which is basically like this kind of, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, should I call it a sauce, I think? But it's like, it's something that you you, you grind up like, you know, herbs and, and vegetables and yeah. onion and stuff like that. And it just gives it this really nice herbal taste to it. And then, of course, alongside that, or like within the pot, along with the rice, you mix in uh, what we call gandules, you know, the pigeon peas. Right. And it's just, look, I just grew up with this, man. I be eating okay. it like... Every other day growing up. Every and if I wasn't day, gotcha. eating, you know, the if I wasn't eating the orange rice, I was eating like regular white rice. We were having like, you know, some other kind of beans with it. So right. anyway, I, I, you know, got down on that, smashed that, you know, had some turkey at my one grandma's house, then went over to my other grandma's house. So she's from Alabama. And, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, my, my other you know, grandfather's from Georgia as well, okay. from kind of like the Atlanta area outside of Atlanta. Uh, but he, he, they came up here, I don't know, in the, in the 60s, 60s mm-hmm. or 70s. They, they've been up here a while okay. in, uh, in Northwest Indiana. That's not where I am now, but, you know, I'm, I'm kind of getting out of out of that headspace because I was just there for a week. Um, but, you know, then we went over there and it, and it was collard greens. And, oh, my God, man, the Southern Fair was just freaking crazy, bro. Like, wow. my wife, my wife's still talking about it. Can't okay. get it out of her head. It was that good. Awesome. Awesome. I probably gained about five or six pounds easily. Oh, yeah. But you know what? <laughs> and, and I'm still feeling sluggish, man. I really need to get back on the Peloton. I've been I've been doing some weightlifting since I got home. You know, I got the dumbbells. You know, I got the 30-pounders down by the bed. So I'll get up in the right. morning, do some push-ups and, you know, all that. Bust those out and just get some blood flowing before work because otherwise I, I, I got no energy. So it's like, that's been my thing. I've been trying to work my way into it, but I need more consistent exercise. Right. Um, but yo, while we were enjoying ourselves and all that mm-hmm. Thanksgiving dinner, all the good stuff, 
we had some football to watch. Sunday night football, Baltimore Ravens take down the Los Angeles Chargers 20 to 10 in, in, a, in a game between two teams that, I mean, I, I think that the Chargers, honestly, they, they've got the talent of a playoff team. Yeah. It just feels like they don't play up to it that often. But obviously you got Justin Herbert, who is one of the great quarterbacks in the league. Keenan Allen, it's funny, Keenan Allen's a guy that I feel like everybody's just thinking like, oh yeah, he's he's you know washed, he can't run anymore or whatever. And right. he's already over a thousand yards on the season. Like he's, he's he's cooking, absolutely cooking. And he was he was tough to deal with, you know, mm-hmm. for 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 this Ravens team. But the the defense steps up to the plate as they've been doing all season long. And then the offense sputtered a little bit, but they got a spark from a couple of rookies. And I'm I'm it just makes me so happy. But first, before we get into all that, mm-hmm. how are you feeling about it? Uh, I feel pretty good about it, man. I feel like the Ravens came to play. Um, I, I think our O line struggled a little bit with Khalil Mack and company, and I think that he got the best of us quite a bit throughout the game. Um, but overall, I mean, when you come away with a win, it don't matter if it's an ugly win or it's a good win or it's a messy win. It's a win is a win. It's a W in the win column, and now we're at nine and three. And I'm excited about that. You know, um, I still feel like there are some things that we need to work on and focus on as a team and as an organization as a whole to try to get us in a better situation where we're playing a little bit smoother and it's not as rough as it's been for us. You know, some of these games we've had in and out. I want us to play at a high level and consistently at a high level, no matter who we play against. I don't want to play up or down with the level of the competition that we play against. And you, you said it best. I mean, Kyrie, the, the Chargers are, are a loaded team and they're stacked with talent. And um, they came out ready to play and they gave us a run for our money. I just kept saying like, man, oh my God, they're going to let these guys hang around and mess around and lose this daggone game. And the Chargers had a chance to win it at the end. And and we we found a way to pull it out. Pull it out. You know, um, the Ravens defense stepped up big with some turnovers and those turnovers allowed us to be able to stay in this game and, and, and keep a league pretty much throughout because I mean, we had enough turnovers. We should have blew them out by 40, you know, and we just didn't do anything with the turnovers that we got. And that's always the frustrating thing, man, is when you mm-hmm. get turnovers, you want to turn that into points. I mean, obviously, you, you first and foremost, I mean, obviously, you want to turn it into touchdowns. It feels disappointing when mm-hmm. when you get a turnover and you don't turn that into a touchdown because, I mean, it feels almost like you didn't take full advantage of the momentum. And you think mm-hmm. to yourself, like, you know, there was an opportunity left on the table and that could come back to bite us later in the game. But when you're not scoring off turnovers at all, I mean, that's just that that's that's rough. And that's actually right. <laughs> I don't know if you watched the Monday night game, but that was yeah. the story of that game. Right. The Chicago right. Bears get yeah, well, mm-hmm. four four takeaways on the Minnesota Vikings and got like three points off of it, three or six right. points. I, I can't even remember. Absolutely ridiculous. It's yeah. like that's that's ugly. Like you can't you can't sustainably win football games like that. But you know the the Ravens again. I think you you just said it. The biggest thing you're concerned about with them is playing up or down to the level of talent. Because every time they faced an opponent where you're like, oh yeah, this is going to be a good game, they just right. wipe the floor with them, right? right. And yep. and every time you're just like, oh yeah, this should be you know relatively easy. They're the better team, like they should handle business. I mean, obviously they've won more games than they've lost, but there's still right. a couple of puzzling losses. But real quick, Jeez, it's, just, it's three, it's three puzzling losses. We only have three losses, and all three of them are puzzling. Yes, and you're sitting there scratching your head, like what? <laughs> yeah, 
No, exactly. I mean, every every time we come on here, man, and we're just yeah. like, what the hell happened? How yeah. did you lose that game? There's just no way, yeah. right? And and real quick, just you, you brought up Khalil Mack, and he's he's a dude who again he was with the Bears, you know, a couple of years ago. He was like a big signing for them, and he struggled with injuries, kind of fell off a little bit, and I think people kind of forgot thought about him. that he that he was going to fall off. I mean, he's 32 years old. He's got 13 and a half sacks this year. Mm. Khalil yeah, Mack has absolutely not fallen off. And, and I was just looking quick at the stats. He's closing in on 100 sacks for his career. It's crazy. Damn. Man. I don't know how he didn't end up being a Baltimore Raven at some point. How would let him get away? Oh, my God. Khalil Mack is a Baltimore Raven? You yeah, would never. That's the, those are the type of guys we're missing. We're missing a guy like him. Yeah, and it's funny. You got one of it is his, uh, you know, old teammates and Kyle Van Noy, and that mm-hmm. guy is out there making some plays, not just he getting is. pressure on quarterbacks. We had a nice pass breakup on a pass that was absolutely like destined to be completed to a wide open receiver. He gets absolutely. up and, and, and tips it and causes an incompletion. Like, look at this mm-hmm. man getting it yep. done. Um, yeah. I want to talk about a couple of things here because you know you you mentioned that you know they found a way to pull out that win. And I think part of it was because of two of the rookies. And one of them that you would expect is Zay Flowers, right? Mm-hmm. You're your first round pick. You want to see that, a receiving touchdown and a rushing touchdown. But then your undrafted free agent running back, Keaton Mitchell, our guy, led the way for running backs for snaps. That was really surprising to me. And I know you were kind of thinking to yourself, like, what the hell's going on with that? I have a theory about that, but I want mm-hmm. to hear you talk about it first before I start yakking. Well, I don't really, I don't necessarily have a theory about it. I, I, I felt like they started the game with Keaton, and I felt like in the first snap of scrimmage, he got the ball. They gave the ball to him the very first snap. So he started it. He actually started the game at tailback. I don't know if they called him out for pregame as a starter, but he definitely started the game the first play. You know, a lot of times when they do stuff like this, they try to save face. They'll let the, the normal starter running back come out of the tunnel and they'll announce him, and then they'll slide somebody in for the start and play like that at that spot. You know, at the end of the day, as a player, you know that guy was the starter of that game. You know, everybody knows it. You see it. I don't I don't know if you went about that the right way because that corrupts some guys the wrong way. And this thing is all about chemistry. And, you, you know, when you play with the chemistry of your team, you have to be really, really, really cautious as a head coach, as a position coach, and as an OCDC. You know, like this thing is all about men, grown men, being able to play with each other and not feeling a certain kind of way. You know, I can't say that Keaton Mitchell has earned the starting spot at running back. Even though he's played great this year, he has played phenomenal and probably played better than the other two guys. Keep in mind that these guys, those other guys, didn't really play, you know, training camp, preseason like that. Keaton had a chance to really show what he could do during preseason. So you saw more of him than you saw of anybody else, you know, and that allowed him to look like the premier guy during that camp. I feel like if you're going to give it to him, he has to beat him out outright, you know, and it's kind of hard to beat somebody out during the season. And uh, he's just, he's made some explosive plays this year and, and it's hard not to put him on the field and hard not to let him play. But I think you find a way to incorporate him with your other starters that you already have. And I wouldn't just start him in a game before I, actually figure out how to incorporate them and start a package with him and the other guys on the field at the same time. So I get him more reps and let him be more explosive for me and make some of those explosive plays. And I'll put in a, I'll put in a, a section of my play calls, my play sheet 
just for him. You know, these are your plays, Keaton. We're going to get the ball to Keaton on this, and, you know, we'll put him in the game for those plays. And then, I mean, he may start the game, but he's not going to start over my normal starters. That's all I'm saying. So if he came in, he would, it would be a two-back set. It would be a 12 personnel, you know, you know. I mean, uh, a 22 person, uh, twenty-two personnel, two backs, yeah. two tight ends, wide out or something like that. But I wouldn't start him over my normal starter. I think that causes confusion within the locker room. And I, and I think that's the interesting part of this because, like, I'm I'm looking at it almost from a, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily an impartial point of view, but mm-hmm. you know, the point of view is somebody who's like, oh, that's interesting. But it's like you're thinking of it in, in terms of, like, Gus Edwards, since J.K. Dobbins gotten hurt, he's gotten the lion's share of the carries. Mm-hmm. And he's been the guy that you've been riding with. And then there's kind of this this aberration, this change where Keaton Mitchell has 33 snaps, Justice Hill has 20 snaps, Mm -hmm. and Gus Edwards has 19. And so you're thinking to yourself, like, is this an issue? I I I feel like, you know, the the way the way that they use the running backs, because if if it was if it was like Gus Edwards like did something wrong to like be benched or something like that, he wouldn't have Mm -hmm. played as much as he did. I I don't think it's that. I mean I thought that this is kind of like your first trial run of seeing what life is like without Mark Andrews. Mm -hmm. And I think that maybe what they were looking for is, is a bit more is like kind of that explosive play potential because you're trying Mm -hmm. to figure out where the chunk plays are coming from without Mark Andrews in the offense. And you could see it at certain points, the offense was kind of sputtering a little bit because I mean, there there would be a good completion to to Nelson Aguilar or you, Zay Flowers would would catch something in the open field and, and make mm-hmm. a play, and, right. and Rashad Bateman had you know you know third down conversions and such. It, it's like all all that was there, and Odell Beckham Jr. had some plays as well. Like all all that was there, but yeah. I think there's still this idea of okay, if we don't have our most dependable weapon which is Mark Andrews by far still. I mean, mm-hmm. again, they, they have revitalized that receiver room and they've got more playmakers, but Mark Andrews is still that dude. And so Isaiah likely stepping into that role, still not quite Mark Andrews. So it, it, it felt like a little bit of, we're looking for a spark here. Let's see if Keaton can provide it. I am not going to buy too much into it just yet. It's one game. It was interesting because it, that hasn't happened yet. If it happens next game, then you're starting to think to yourself, did Keaton Mitchell just become the starting running back of this team? And I feel like mm-hmm. that would be a little bit surprising. But you know yeah. sometimes how, how people do it, and and, and I mean, I, I would be curious to hear your perspective on this, how much that happened during your career. Sometimes it's, it's game plan specific stuff. And for a given week, you know, an offense is trying to do a particular thing or they're trying to exploit this certain thing about a team. And the Chargers run defense isn't particularly good. So I think that maybe there was this idea that, oh, yeah, we could gash him with Keaton. And Keaton did have some plays. Um, yep. But yep. so did Justice Hill. Justice Hill had some big yeah. plays too, some big runs. And and so did um, Gus. They, were, they all played well, you know, yeah, all three so, of the running backs. So, I mean, so I, I hear like, I'm, I'm just curious if, that's something that that you would buy into that maybe it was like a one week thing like oh yeah let's let's just see how this works like we think we got something in this game plan that we can exploit and that was why Keaton played more versus you know 
Gus Edwards, who's been the dude this entire time. You know, I, I don't think there's rocket science. You know, I, I think you got studs all over the field on the offensive side of the ball. It's probably the most explosive offense the Ravens have ever had, Kyrie. So I'm, when I think about this offense, when you got a OBJ or Nelson Aguilar, uh, Zay Flowers, um, Keaton Mitchell, Gus Edwards, uh, Justice Hill, um, Rashad Bateman, uh, Devin DuVernay, uh, uh, Isaiah Likely, uh, Mark Andrews, uh, J.K. Dobbins. You know, this is a freaking loaded offense. I mean, don't get it twisted. You know, like you, you don't have to put a lot of thought into what you're going to do in order to, you know, to, to win games. You just got to get the ball in the hands of your playmakers that don't make plays. I mean, it's no rocket science to that. How can I get the ball in, in the hands of my guys? And you just got to come up with clever ways to get them the ball that make it interesting. You know, it's some it's a bunch of things that you can do to get the tight ends involved in the game. You know, you, you have to understand who Mark Andrews is. And he's a savvy, crafty, silky route runner, patient route runner, smart route runner, understands defenses and coverages, you know, probably about as good as any tight end in the league, you know, as as well as a, a Travis Kelsey or or et cetera. You know, so to me, Mark Andrews is top one, two, three tight ends in this league. So it's, it is hard to make up for a loss of a guy like that. But when you have a guy like Isaiah Likely, you figure out what his strengths are and that's it you put in those plays for him that cater to his strengths and you put the ball in his hand, let him make plays. He's phenomenal in space. He's phenomenal when he has the ball in his hand and, he, and he's great at being able to get open and he catches almost every single thing you throw to him. And you saw at one point of the game, Lamar was getting Isaiah likely happy. He was throwing the ball to Isaiah like almost every other play. And he made, he made almost every single catch and made plays when he got it. And he made guys miss once he got the balls in his hands. You know, so to me, he's a great guy to run screens with, you know, outside tunnel screens, you know, at a wide receiver spot or inside screens, you know, playing off the ends or, or the other when you got guys like Cleo Mack rushing up the field so fast, you know, let them run right by him. And they, they did it. They got him. They got him a couple of screen passes off Cleo Mack side, you know. So to me, you have to take advantage of those type of things and understand who your tight end is. I think I also think he's a, he's more of a twitchy guy than Mark. So that means he's, he could probably be a double move guy. You know, so let him run the Zorro routes, let him run the out and ups, the sticky routes, the sticky pumps and stuff like that and just see what happens. You know, um, I think he can run those double move routes because he's kind of pinchy toed and he kind of runs low to the ground a little bit and okay. he's able to get in and out of his breaks pretty fairly quickly. You know, so I, I don't think you lose a ton, you know, when by losing Mark Andrews, when you have a, a Kolar and a, and a likely behind them. And, you know, they both can play. And Kolar had a heck of a preseason because he was showcased almost pretty much all the preseason. Mm -hmm. Kid balled out, you know. So then you turn around and you, you – let's not forget, man, you got OBJ out there. You got – you know, even though he's banged up and hurt and injured with a shoulder injury, he's still out there playing. If I'm going to be out there playing hurt, get me the daggone ball, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm going to put everything on the line and come out here and play hurt and not miss a snap or miss a game, get me the freaking ball any way you can, you know. And he's, a, he's still a superstar to me. I would feed him just like he was a number one receiver. You know, him, Zay Flowers, all you do when you when you feed him, you open up things and make things a lot easier for a Zay Flowers and a DuVernay and a Bateman and an Aguilar and all those guys. You got you got great compliments to those guys. You just got to figure out a way to get them the ball where Lamar doesn't have to, you know, try to work magic to get the ball to him. He got to be able to get the balls out of his hands a lot quicker so he don't feel that pressure and start feeling like he got to run for his life and – you know, and have a guy like a Khalil Mack beating down his his neck. You got to double a Khalil Mack too, man. You got to put two, three guys on him to make sure that he stays off your QB the whole game. He, he's he's really that dude. I mean, he, he's he's every bit 
that good. He earned it. And he earned he earned the respect. Give it to him. Yes. And you brought up Zay Flowers, and I think I think it's about time we get to him. But real quick, you know, Isaiah likely leads the team with you know four catches for 40 yards. It was you know a kind of even distribution, right? So not the mm-hmm. biggest numbers game for for Lamar Jackson, a little bit of a kind of grinded out game. Right. But Lamar Jackson uh you know liked Isaiah likely in this game. And then mm-hmm. OBJ had 34 yards receiving. <clears throat> Zay Flowers had 25 yards receiving, had right. the touchdown. And right. and again, I, I like seeing that usage of Zay Flowers because when you see a guy his size, you think to yourself, he's not really doing a whole lot in the red zone. But if you if you can separate in other places, you could separate in the red zone. And Absolutely. he showed he showed right there that he could do that and he could make that play. And then to ice the game with with that touch, like I want to see more of that. Obviously, we've seen the smoke screens to Zay Flowers get the ball on the perimeter. We, we've seen his elusiveness and, and what he can do when you get him the ball in space. And then he gets the ball in space on, on this, you know, jet sweep. And it, it's actually an end around. This time, I think it was. Um, and hits the jets and he's gone. Right. It's like, this is a four, four speed guy. I, I feel like when you watched him at Boston college, Mm-hmm. Sometimes you, you you might you might have been lulled into thinking that he's kind of a short striding quick guy who doesn't have the getaway speed and it's, it's mainly like you know short area quickness and juice that way. Yeah. Uh, when when you're when you're ripping off sixty yard touchdowns, that means you can run, run, right? Run, run. Yep. And Absolutely. and and that's what he did right there. And I want to see them get him the ball in those ways as well. I mean, right now he. I mean, it's probably between him and Keaton Mitchell, two of the fastest guys on the team and two of your most electric playmakers on offense. And obviously, I think you put Odell Beckham Jr. in there because we've seen him run away. You get him a slant. He can still take it the distance. He can absolutely still do that. I mean, these young cats can freaking run, man. And and I, I, I think... And I say it every single every single week, pretty much where Zay Flowers does something, he makes a big On the other side of the ball, you had Quentin Johnston, who was the first of those receivers to go in the draft. And everybody was talking all that noise about, oh, yeah, these receivers, they're not very good. And, and I mean, I wouldn't take any of them in the first round or what have you. Quentin Johnston got the nod there because of his size, the the idea of his skill set, you know, being a big, what, you know, 6'3 guy who's got wiggle right. and, you know, yards after catch and all that stuff. The brother can't catch the football, though. Which is a problem if you're a wide receiver. <laughs> um, big problem. It's a huge and problem. so he just has forget. not been productive. You know, Jackson Smith and Jigba's kind of started finding his footing with the Seattle Seahawks a little bit more coming, you know, coming up. But Zay Flowers has been he's been making plays every single game. And I think that he's clearly shown that everybody who wrote him off just because he was like 5'9", 183 pounds or whatever he checked in at his pro day or at the combine or whatever, everybody who doubted him for those reasons or thought yeah. he was only a slot guy or whatever, you like, you got it. You're eating crow every single week with something that dude is doing. I don't I don't know how you do that. How do you write off a kid because of his height and size and, and weight if he's performing? He's showing you that that stuff don't matter every single week, week in and week out. On, the, on probably one of the highest levels that you could play on, you know, playing, you know, playing in, in the league that he played in while he was in college in, in Division One, right? You know, how do you write yeah, somebody Boston off when college. you see, yeah, when you see a Tyreek Hill play the way he played, when you see a Steve Smith 
you know, senior played the way that he played when he was in the league, or Derek Mason, you know, played the way he played while he was in the league. You know, how do you write off a receiver? Even you go all the way back to Dante Hall, he played he played likes out like crazy as well, man. So I just I don't even understand like that thought process of 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 uh of the scouts and stuff like he's too little he won't be able to play in it what man they've been we've been doing this forever it ain't never stopped even antonio brown he wasn't the biggest guy in the world either you know he was the number one receiver in the whole league until he talked himself or pushed himself out of the league you know so i mean that it's crazy to me that they do that i mean it's like especially when when you when you get into the draft i feel like that's the that's the thing, right? People want the traits, and so because you're thinking about what's gonna project, right, long term for a career, and you know, do, like, does this guy have, you know, does do his traits translate in a way that like make you think this guy could not just be really good, but he can be elite? And so obviously, mm-hmm. you look at a guy like a like Megatron back in the day, or like right. Jamar Chase or whatever, and you're thinking like, oh Randy yeah, Moss. that guy yep. is yeah. <laughs> That that's Real that's orange. the ultimate. That is the ultimate traits guy right there. And people had mm-hmm. all kinds of questions about him, but it didn't damn matter because right. he was one of the craziest dudes to ever come out in in, in the draft and come into the league. And he's the ultimate guy where it's just like, yo, that guy's like six four and runs like a four two, whatever it is. Like, oh, I could see him being great. The thing is, for every Randy Moss, there's like, I don't know, like. 85 Darius Hayward Bays or something like that. Like, like guys, like guys that are, they, they've got all the, all the physical tools, but they just can't play the game at that level. Right. See, But see, that's, that's my, my fight. That's my fight in me too, because I, I was, you know, I could have been a Darius Hayward Bay that, you know, that guy that just kind of slipped through the cracks or whatever. And it, I really feel like it's about scheme and, you know, yeah. You know, having that confidence and just having the right staff that believe in you and, you know, that pushes you to perform the way that you perform. Like some guys actually need that. Some guys don't need anything because they get it all from the jump and they embrace them right away and they come in and play and start like a Zay Flowers. You know, he was a first round pick. When you get that, when you get that notoriety at, at being a high pick like that, you know, it's kind of hard not to come in and perform yeah. because everybody is embracing you and everybody expecting greatness out of you. So you want to you want to go perform at a high level because of it. You know, when you're an undrafted free agent, you have to figure out a way to give yourself that juice because nobody's pulling for you at all. You know, nobody expecting you to be here. Nobody expecting you to make it. Nobody expecting you to even play. Nobody expecting you to make past year one or first yeah. or past the first mini camp. You know, so it's like it's, it's it's a it's a huge difference in the guys that are projected to be great and they everybody's super high on versus the guys that don't get it. You know, and sometimes those high guys that would come in with a lot of expectation, that pressure is too much for them and they can't handle it either. And you get a Darius Hayward break. And, and I, and I yeah. think you mentioned, right, being embraced and being in the right scheme. I feel mm-hmm. like for the the months leading up to the draft, Everybody was just like Zay Flowers should be a Raven. It just felt like it made sense. Yeah. Not not just that the Ravens needed receivers and they needed playmakers, they needed juice or whatever, but Zay mm-hmm. Flowers. And again, having talked to him, it just it it felt a thousand percent right. The dude's a freaking dog. Like yeah. that's just that's just how he is. That's in his DNA. In his he, DNA. He was he was a Raven well before they they picked him. Yeah, and he so, was a Raven at BC. And and so when when they selected him, it was just like this yeah. this is just a glove. 
No right? brainer. Of course, of course, him and Lamar going to be looking at it's like, like the Spider-Man meme. They're just going to be looking at each other like, uh-huh. Like, I see you. Like, like, that, mm-hmm. like that's, they, they vibe. You don't got to ask no questions. They just, no. they just get along. That is what it is. And just from the moment he's been here, and, and I mean, it's not even just about catching the ball, running the ball or whatever. The the way his, his little self gets out there and, and competes as a blocker. His little, his little self. Like, like, like I mean, he 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 gets he gets out there and he competes. He throws his yeah. body up in there. It doesn't matter. He, he's not pancaking nobody, but yeah. he gets in there and puts his body in there. He's he's always going 100 miles an hour. He's never mm-hmm. not giving it everything that he's got. And it just always made so much sense for him to be a Baltimore Raven. And he's proving it every single week. And they're going to need him to keep proving it. I mean, 94% of the snaps mm-hmm. against the Chargers. And it's going to have to be like that right? without Mark Andrews. And I know you're talking about, obviously, Isaiah Likely and, and, all, and the depth that they have at all these positions. It's absolutely yeah, true. They've got lots of depth. they got For lots sure. of playmakers. Yeah. But there has to be a point where, again, who's the guy you're going to? When you when you need it, I don't understand why there's a question. Why is there a question about who you go to? Like when you got a Zay Flowers, you got an OBJ. Like why is there a question who you go to? Like get it to the guys that you got. You got playmakers. Just give them the freaking ball. That's it's it's simple for me. Like it's not hard. Like it shouldn't be no question at all. Like how do you divvy up Mark Andrews snaps and his plays and and balls that we should be throwing to him? Like you got playmakers. You know you got a Keaton Mitchell. You know, you got a Gus Edwards, you got a Justice Hill in the backfield. Then then you go to the tight end spot and you got a freaking Isaiah Likely and a Kolar. And then you go to the wide receiver and you just you can go from any side, left or right. You got four dogs at wide receiver right now. Like, let's go play ball, baby. Snap to me the freaking ball and get it to me. Let's go play ball. All right. If you don't get the ball, I always tell the kids when I was coaching, if you don't get the ball, you're a blocker. Right away, as soon as that ball come out the quarterback hand, you see it's not coming to you, go block your guy. The guy that's covering you is the guy you block because that's going to be the guy that's going to make the tackle if your receiver buddy break it for a, for a long run. Make sure and you then, go block right away. Yep, and then it's going to be you on film getting chewed out because mm-hmm. you didn't block and you didn't you didn't put in the effort and you your your guy should have scored. I don't know. So that 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 was always something I took personally. Yeah. Like I lo- I loved blocking as a wide receiver i really did and again like it'd be like with the smallest dudes out there when i'd be playing but oh like I, I i reveled in that i was like a little demon out there just 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 annoying people <laughs> down the field and, and there would be and there would be times where i mean i remember that there would be times on film where it's like i just barely got enough of, of of a piece so that like our running back like we had like an all-state running back that dude was really yeah. good he like set college records of the place that he was at so it's like it didn't take much for him to go score a touchdown but it's just like okay let me just let me just get enough in front just just to do the job you know for mm-hmm. him to score but it's like hey whatever by whatever means necessary but sometimes that's what it is man you don't get yeah. long like explosive plays in this league without people blocking down the field without other That's people it. doing their jobs because 100%. ain't no defense just out there not paying attention while somebody runs down the field. Yeah, let me ask you a question, Kyrie. If, if you was an offensive coordinator and you was the OC for the Baltimore Ravens and you had all this talent on offense, what would you do when Mark Andrews get hurt? How would you run your offense? What would you do? 
I mean, first and foremost, I'm trying to run it through the running game because I feel like that's still your strength. And and you're trying to establish the run with with Gus, with Justice Hill, with Keaton Mitchell, a little bit with Lamar Jackson. I think that's still got to be part of the game. Yeah, I know you don't want him taking a whole lot of hits. You don't want to rely on it too much. But again, he's <coughs> one of the two to th- I mean, one of the two or three best running quarterbacks that have ever been. So it's like yeah. you can't you don't want to take that skill set away. In terms of what you do in the passing game. I I, I feel like Lamar has always loved throwing to tight ends. So you do what he's comfortable with, right? And and you Mm -hmm. you play kind of inside out a little bit. Get Isaiah Likely involved. And I feel like that that was part of what they wanted to do early because I think you you know what Lamar Jackson's tendency is at at this point. Like tight ends are usually a safety blanket. So get Isaiah Likely involved. And then – you use that to go outside more. So it's like if I were scripting an opening drive for the Baltimore Ravens, it's like my first couple of plays are probably going to be something like in, in sort of the read option world where, okay, if, if they're paying too much, if they're keying on Lamar Jackson, easy, give it. Right. Let, let your offensive line get, get downhill. Let Gus Edwards get downhill and do his thing. Or, right. or Lamar pull it and get it going and, and get a little bit of power football going and establish the line of scrimmage. And then I'm probably looking at, you know, something quick to the sticks or something like that. Isaiah likely get get a quick completion, get something going, and then get the ball out to Zay Flowers on a quick screen or something like that. And then, honestly, like you were talking about double moves with Isaiah mm-hmm. likely. <clears throat> I, I feel like at some point I'm I'm looking at a shot play early on where I want to try to get the ball downfield to Zay yeah, and, and maybe and maybe you look that way for starters, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like, okay, let's see if we can get you paying attention to Zay or OBJ, and then boom, up the seam for a big play and hit the middle of the field. So I yeah. I think that you you you've touched on it a bunch of times, right? Yeah. There are so many different ways, so many different people that you can get the ball to on offense that there's not just one person that you focus on. When I was talking about when when you know you need a play, I think it's just a matter of like, yes, there are so many different guys that you can get the ball to, and they're all solid options. But I'm kind of thinking to myself, Lamar Jackson, when there is a play that needs to be made, he's throwing the ball to Mark Andrews like 85% of the time. When he's not in there, and then you have to think about like, okay, who is yeah, maybe you got to play schemed up for someone. In, in this scenario, like, okay, I want to get OBJ the ball here. Or it's like, or it's like yeah. a quick slant, I know he's going to win. Let me get it to him. But if, it, if it's like everybody out in the route, who's the guy I know is going to get open right now? Who can right. I trust? And mm-hmm. I think you could probably make a case for a, a number of those guys because right. you have so many different weapons and you're just thinking, okay, where's my best matchup? But I think that's going to be the interesting thing to think about with this offense as it goes forward. Is it that simple that you just find the best matchup and get them the ball? Or is yeah. there going to come a point where Lamar is like, okay, um, I, I, you start you start to trust one guy more than another. Does it end up being OBJ because he's the vet, because he's the guy who's done it the most? I'm just curious. Yeah. I, I, think, I think for me, I would spread them out. I think 
I think you probably got the best athlete in the entire league at quarterback. The best athlete. Yeah. In the entire league. I don't think there's a quarterback in this league that has a better a, a team that has a better quarterback that's an athlete in this league. It's a bunch of athletes at quarterback all over this league now, but I think Lamar is the number one athlete at QB. So I think I spread them out five wide. Go five wides, put your best five guys out there, make one of those wide outs a tight end, make another one of those wide outs a running back. So 11 personnel with three wides, but then flex everybody out. If I run the ball, I motion them to the backfield, you know, mm-hmm. do some kind of misdirection. One of the yeah. things that Lamar did extremely well that people always had a problem with was doing all the RPO stuff, right? You know, because they couldn't tell if he was going to pull it, if he was going to give it. And when he did pull it, they, remember the coach made the comment that his arm was the same color as the ball. So, you know, all that. T- you, know, right? you know what I'm saying? Like, he, that means that he just got some phenomenal fakes. That's all it really means. Yeah. You just didn't then, want to give him credit for the fakes that he had, right? Yeah. And then you the know, other thing you're talking about with the RPOs, right, is now yeah. that you're, you're talking about – because I think when people talk about RPO, they mm-hmm. just generally mean read option. And that's right. not necessarily what that means. Right, yeah, it mean run pass option. Run pass option, and they right. do that. There was there was a one one piece of film that I remember I I, I you know put on Twitter at mm. one point where they he did a hell of a fake. Yeah, and I I think it was against the Lions. Yeah, it was against the Lions where he the Lions were trying to do this thing where you know the the defensive end or the outside linebacker would you know trying to surf. The, the quarterback so it's like mm-hmm. okay they'll kind of bounce inside and then try to jump out if the quarterback keeps it well they were trying to play it a little bit of a different way where it was just look the the end man on the line of scrimmage that's your mm-hmm. that's your reading it just straight has the running back the entire time and he just dives on him and, and then the linebacker scrapes over the top and has the quarterback right. well at one point the lions ran it that way um, you know, the end man dives on, on the running back. Lamar pulls it and starts running to the outside. And the linebacker's like, oh, gotcha. Nope. Pulls it out and throws it to OBJ for like a five-yard gain. It mm-hmm. just, 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 gets, just gets a little chunk. And, it, right. and it's like, that's the kind of thing. It's like, you think you got it stopped up? And you're just like, for real, man? Really? And it's like, that's the kind of thing that not every quarterback in the league can do that. Even just some something as as quote unquote simple as that. Not every quarterback could pull off that fake and 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 get outside the pocket, be that kind of threat that where you command right. a defender to come to. You have to, right? Because ain't nobody doing that if it's Jared Goff, right? No one's running up to to try and and and, and take Jared Goff off a read option. But when it's Lamar, you're like, oh, can't let him run. And then he's completely yeah, ball down the field. And I love I love what you're talking about because they are using eleven personnel a lot more this year, mm-hmm. and it takes advantage of the kind of stuff that he can do. Like he he can read it quickly, and he can just get the ball out of, out of his hands. And then right. if you spread it out, and you decide you want to go straight cover one, or Dare I say you want to, you know, do cover zero, which you would probably never do against Lamar Jackson because you should not do that against Lamar. Right. But if you but if you do that kind of thing, you want to play man coverage. Well, then you're talking about the possibility of quarterback drawing a light box and then Lamar's running down the middle of the field. You that's don't ex- want that. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying, man. You spread them all out. If I dare you to blitz somebody because if he misses, it's a wrap. The more pull it and take off, you know, if he don't get to him in time, he hit one of those wide open receivers that you can't cover man to man. 
You know, I don't think anybody in this league going to cover Nelson Aguilar, you know, 60 plays, you know, nonstop, or OBJ or, or, or Rashad Bateman or Zay Flowers. You got some dogs at receivers, but you got to figure out a way to get them the ball more and quicker, you know, get the ball out of his hands quicker. And then you still run your screens out of those out of those spread formations where you're going. It's almost like an old school running gun type offense, run and shoot type offense where you're you know you're 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 running it, but everything is so fast paced. And if you try to blitz me, then I, everybody's got to cover these receivers because I'm spread out. You got to be in some kind of one high, you know, yeah. safety you know situation, which means he either, either got to spot a quarterback or or I'm gonna take off with it. You know, so if he dropped deep in cover three and everybody's backing out, you know, all that type of stuff. And then I, I got all these guys hitting these holes in these pockets, these cover three beaters that we're going to call while we're in this five wide situation. You know, I'm, I'm my, my quarterback going to drop dimes all over your field, you know, and then you can't blitz us because we got you spread out. You know, if he come off the slot, I just throw the ball right where he leave, you know, and just replace that guy. So it's just it's, it's such a to me, it, it seemed like. It seemed like it's really, really easy and simple, but it's not that easy and simple as I'm making right. it sound right now. But at the same time, I feel like if you spread them out, it it, it keeps them from having the, the – it keeps them from trying to load your box up all the time with all these guys in the box and stop you from running because everybody knows the Ravens are going to run the ball. But we're so talented, we don't have to run the ball all the time. And you can still figure out a way to run the ball in the five-wide situation by motioning somebody back to the backfield. And as soon as you motion them, if they run with them, you know they're man-to-man now. So that gives you that tips off whether or not you can, you know, you're in man coverage or you're in cover or you're in zone coverage. And that allows him to make quicker pre-snap reads on where he's gonna go with the ball. Yes. Now I, I wanna I wanna ask real quick before before we hop off. Is the bye week? The Ravens okay. gonna have a have a little bit of a break here. Another so first, one. Yeah. So first <laughs> I wanna ask you. From 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 your perspective, when when you were on bye weeks, like what did you do mentally during that time to sort of get a little bit of rest, relaxation, or whatever, um, and and kind of self scout? Like, kind of how did you approach the bye? It's 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 a little weird because this game is it takes so much out of you, and it's so taxing, and you don't realize like people don't realize what our normal week schedule is. They really think we just show up and play on Sunday. You know, and then they think we practice like an hour a day, and that's it. People don't realize exactly how much like we're at the facilities and how much time goes into us preparing for these games, pre- preparing for these games week in and week yeah. out. So usually, the way we do it is we try to get totally away from football. If we got three, four days off, we're not even trying to think about football. We're trying to spend that time with our loved ones, our family, and just focus on our kids or whatever it may be. And we try to disconnect for those three days. Like we get a bye week and we still practice all that week. And then we might get three days going three days off going into that following weekend. And then that next weekend, you right back to your regular schedule because you got to play that following week. You know, so it's not it's not what you think a bye week would be. You know, like they they do everything they can not to give you too much free time because they're they I mean their natural instinct as a parent, your natural instinct as a parent, if your kid got too much downtime, you know, idle time is the devil's time, right? You know, so that's how they look at yeah. you as grown men. You got all these grown men, these young men with money, and they, you know, it's the middle of the season. Everything's hot right now. You know, they're going to be going to other cities if you give them too much time, spending money, going out with girls, you know, partying, getting drunk, getting high, whatever it may be, and jeopardize getting themselves in some kind of trouble. So they try to manage your time for you, and they usually tie up most of that that first week, and then they give you three or four days, maybe two days or three days off, 
that weekend so that you can go enjoy your family and do what you got to do. But they want to try to make sure that your week going into that following game is the regular schedule week. You know, you're in there early Monday morning for tape or film or whatever, and then they let you go early that Monday, and then Tuesday is your day off, and then Wednesday is right back full game plan, full game plan, swinging the whole nine yards. And some of these teams, most of these teams nowadays, that week prior, they're already installing the game plan, so you have a jump on the team that you're going to play coming out of the break, and you're familiarized with them, and you're not just getting one or two days of preparation on them. Yeah, and, and I think – you know, because I, I, I remember listening to some radio earlier mm-hmm. about where somebody asked DJ more about that because the Bears also have you know their bye week, and it's just like, what what do you do? And it's like, if all, I mean, I was just like thinking about it, right? Like I went on vacation, you know, for for Thanksgiving, and it's like I hadn't taken a vacation or really much time off at all <clears throat> since I right. started this job back in April. <clears throat> and I know you don't take much in the ways of days off. No, you know, you you just be grinding all the time. Then it's just like sometimes you get away from it, and you're just like, man, I forgot what it was like to not have this crazy schedule every single day, and like have your mind just like be able to focus on other things. Mm-hmm. And, and and I mean, especially like you said, it's just such a demanding game, right? It and is. then yeah. you know, for for a team like the Ravens, it's like there's all this expectation about. You know, and again, you're trying not to let that stuff get in your head, right? But there's there's right. plenty of expectation about being a Super Bowl contender and having the target on your back every single week, right? Like you're getting somebody's best shot every single week. They're gunning right. for you. So it's like, I mean, I can only imagine for for these guys being able to just get away for a minute and recalibrate, recharge, mm-hmm. and then come out hopefully guns blazing and show everybody what's up for these last five games of the season. Now, right. real quick, I want to ask you if you're the Baltimore Ravens right now, if you're the coaching staff, mm-hmm. what are you looking at in terms of self scouting? What do you think they're going to want to get better at? Um, I, I think management, just management of the game and, you know, seeing what their strengths and weaknesses are. Things are a little bit different now because now they got, all the analytics, you know, they got a whole department of analytics inside the building. And those people are breaking down everything, all your tendencies, what you're doing good, what you're doing bad, what you do every third down, what you're doing on first down, you know, the quarterback tend to roll right 90% of the time, you know, they telling you all this stuff now. So you know, you're taking those analytics and you're thinking through your game plans and you're thinking how you want to approach teams and how can I break some of these tendencies so that people can stop getting the jump on us on third and short, you know? So, you, you, you're trying to figure everything out right now. You're trying to figure out where you went wrong in some of these games that you lost. You're trying to figure out how you could have played better this past, that past week before the bye, you know, what we do wrong, what we do right, what we're good at, what we're bad at, you know, let's do more of what we're good at. Let's do less of what we're bad at. And then you take that stuff and then you go out there and you try to implement it with your guys. And then you also evaluate your players. You know, if I think if you're a good organization, you always evaluate your players mentality and their mindsets and how they move and you know what you know how their their game goes you know like like obj may 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 need two or three slants before you start throwing deep balls to him you know you have to know that i got to get him warmed up in the game you know get him a couple balls early so his mind will be right and he's not you know feeling some kind of way by the second half you know what i'm saying like you you have to adjust and do all those things as a coach you know, if a good a good team is doing all that, they're trying to figure it all out 
they're not taking they're not taking much time off they may take two or three days off the entire the entire freaking break maybe two days that entire break but most of the time those coaching staffs are going to be working and reevaluating their players and so like i i'm i'm curious to know <clears throat> especially with, with the running backs what they are going to do me too with- that's a great question, Kyrie. What what are we gonna do in the running back room? Tell us, Kyrie. Heck, I'm curious I, too. I think we're still gonna I, I feel like we're gonna get Gus Edwards back to maybe having a lion's share of the snaps, regardless yeah. of who gets the first couple of carries of the game. Mm-hmm. But I think the way things are trending, I mean Keaton Mitchell's role is 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 here to stay. I mean, he's Absolutely. he's he's gonna just get twenty plus snaps a game at this point because, again, he is one of the most dangerous guys they have on offense right now, and clearly, they trust him enough to to play him for full series, mm-hmm. right, and just just give him full run and be like, okay, Keaton, uh, go out there and play in the passing game. And, and and do pass pro if if we if we ask it of you or split you out and I think that's probably more more often the role they would want him in split you out and be somebody that the defense has to account for as a receiver. Right. But then it's like if you if you're trying to get a pass you know if you're trying to get pass pro you you probably want Gus Edwards in there at, at mm-hmm. this point just because the experience and the size and the physicality and all that stuff. But right. I mean I'm just I'm really intrigued by how they're going to do this because it felt like. It felt like even though Keaton Mitchell ended up with the most snaps, it felt like there was some evenness to the rotation at a mm-hmm. bunch of uh, different places in that game where it really felt like they were trying to spread it out among all of them. So, I mean, clearly this is still kind of running back by committee, but right, I'm, I'm just really interested. Like, like, are they going to just straight up all get like 25 snaps a game from here on out? Or is yeah. it, or is one of them going to slowly start to emerge? Is it going to be Keaton Mitchell? Cause that would be, I'd be surprised. I think, I think, it, I think you're kind of right. I think they're going to continue to play all three backs and whoever has the hot hand that game, they're going to kind of feed him a little bit more than the other one. You know, I, I think that's how it's going to pretty much go the rest of this season. You just, to me, you just want to be smart how you play it. You know, like, you know, grown men have feelings too, people. You know, grown men have feelings too. So, you know, you have to continuously always factor in that emotional-wise who can handle what and who can't handle what. And then you 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 take that into consideration so that you don't blow your whole team up in the middle of the season. You want to make sure everybody's on the same page and every, nobody's, you know, being envious or jealous of the other person and everybody can appreciate what, what guys are doing around the clock. And, and I think, you know, I, I, I love that perspective because I think that we as fans or mm-hmm. we as media analysts, like sometimes there's like a, a dispassionate view because you're not thinking about what's, go, what's going on in the locker room and how certain things are being received. Mm-hmm. And again, it seems like all those guys are – they're 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 all team players, right? And and they're all trying to win. And I feel like, you know, if if there's any ego, it's not showing on the field right now. Right. But John Harbaugh's been doing this long enough. I, I feel like he probably has to know that 
yeah, we were all going to notice that Keaton Mitchell started that game. We were all going to notice that he got the most snaps out of any running back in that game. And Mm -hmm. how do you explain that to the running back room? Is it just like, hey, look, we just thought this was a good matchup for this week? Or is it like, hey, listen, you know, we, we think that Keaton's, you know, got a little bit of something here that we're, we're trying to exploit to get, you know, on, on a more permanent basis. It, I'm going to be really intrigued to see what it is out of the buy. Um, and and if, it, if this does become a pattern out of the buy, this is going to be a really intriguing thing for the Ravens going forward. But you know what? We got we got two weeks before we got to worry about that right now. Baltimore Ravens are going to chill. And so are we, kind of. We're still going to be on here talking <laughs> about it because there's still going to be opponents to come to come talk about and analyze next week and beyond. But hey, for mm-hmm. right now, you know, enjoy your Sunday, you know, your Thursday, Sunday, Monday viewing experience without the Baltimore Ravens. Go watch some other teams, see what they got going on, scout your next couple of opponents. Mm-hmm. Just relax. I, I, I find that it's nice. I, I, it's going to be nice to not have the Ravens on this week because then I can I can just like peruse the rest of the NFL. I'll tell you what though, not going to yeah. be watching the New England Patriots because they're awful. I don't <laughs> I don't I don't want to see any more of that. Thank you very much. I say that because I used to be you no know, Patriots reporter. I'm loving not having to cover that team. Yeah, I miss the Patriots way. Yeah, I mean the Patriots way is. <laughs> Falling apart <laughs> right now, and it is <laughs> it is something else. But we don't want to talk about them anymore. We're the yep. Believe in Ravens podcast. We talk about the Ravens. They're going to have a week off, and I hope that you, you enjoy your week off from watching the Ravens. I'm Kyrie. That's Danny Wilcox. Till next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.